Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Welcome back to The Boiling Point. Dave, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. I'm just noticing you have a, an amazing haircut. Well, I, I, feel, uh, I feel clean cut for the first time since COVID started. So uh, that's good. And it's funny because uh, you know, at the very beginning of March, uh, like the first week of March, I was in Cuba with lots of salt hair, uh, you know, salt water in the hair. And uh, I never had a chance to cut it or get that salt water out until two days ago, months later at the barber when uh, we finally got uh, COVID barbers open. So you had to, uh, what, pay like triple, triple the, the fee, the, 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 just to work through. And, but you know what? It is nice being back in a chair, isn't it? Like I did the same thing. My story is uh, my hair was getting pretty crazy. I may have shared this on a previous podcast. And Mary Ellen, you know, I'm just a buzz cut kind of guy, as you can tell, uh, as people would know uh, if they look at a picture of me. And uh, Mary Ellen had, you know, she was buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And it just didn't feel right. Like it felt like I was just like, are you? pressing the thing and i realized like okay don't don't be a backseat driver here and at the end she goes hey it looks really good and i was like oh okay cool i looked in the mirror and i'll just say that my wife is an amazing teacher mother life partner she shouldn't be a barber it was horrible i had like like bald spots and then some hair over here so, so i ended up doing it myself for the first time and i thought oh i could do this but uh Anyways, I went back to the barber. So, and we have a guest. We have a guest that's going to be is joining us. And who has a, not been to the barber yet? He's got a great head of hair, and I'm very <laughs> jealous. Um, and this is not a topic about hair, so we're going to have to find Greg. Well, why has, don't we get out of the weeds here? So ah, see, get out of the weeds and get get to the point, uh, and uh, introduce our guest because you know we 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 could talk uh, about the details of the haircuts forever. But really, we got to get out of the weeds. We got to get out of the weeds, yes. And you know, and Vince, uh, if you know Greg at all, he is the master of the segue. Uh, Vince Marsh, uh, welcome to the Boiling Point. Welcome, Vince. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, we're happy to have you here. Uh, Vince and I have known each other for a number of years, and um, we always have great conversations, Vince. And um, I'm excited to have you on, meet Greg, and, and uh, drill into um, a few topics. And we're going to start with your book. But before we get there... Uh, and go there, um, maybe give our listeners a, a little bit of a background on who you are and, and, um, and you know, what, what caused you to write this, write a book in general. Like, I mean, what a, what a accomplishment. And also please get to make the connection to where the getting out of the weeds was actually a good segue because, you know, until we understand that it's just a bad segue. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a great segue. Just having the book the title of the book is Get Out of the Weeds, so it's a great segue just from that perspective. But uh, I'll, I'll answer, try to answer that in a minute, but I'll, I'll address what Dave asked me first. Uh, I've been uh, working with senior teams for pretty much exclusively for about 15 years. And um, way back in the day, I was an architect for almost 15 years. Uh, and I got my, my original degree was in psychology, so we always had a real interest in human, you know, human beings and, and, and their psychology and, and leadership development. So kind of went back and, and really dove back into that. So for the last 15 years, I've been working with senior teams and, and senior leaders. And, um, and you know, the whole idea of 
I never thought I'd write a book at all, uh, but I certainly never thought I'd write a book about uh, on the concept of how, how, how leaders get out of the weeds or how they make what I call strategic time. And it really was uh, the idea of doing that was an outgrowth of the work with my clients. So many of my clients were in the weeds. And I heard that expression so many times uh, as I was working with senior leaders that I finally decided, gee, someone should write a book about uh, how senior leaders get out of the weeds. And so that was the impetus for that. So that's the, hopefully that also answers, Greg, your question about the segue. That was, it was a, a beautiful uh, uh, reconciliation of that. Thank you so much. If I if I could add if I could add to to um, Vince's bio, um, a call a friend um, and and a colleague of Vince's, uh, Mark Anthony Ashfield, a partner with Deloitte, uh, at one a number of years ago said, "You got to meet Vince. You got to meet Vince Marsh." And he raved and continues to rave about some of the workshops you'd put on. Um, and and how you supported leadership development internally at Deloitte. I know you worked external with clients as well, but um, and he would tell me specific stories, Vince, of like an exercise you would take them through, and and it, you know knowing you have a psychology background, it makes a lot of sense, kind of given what he would share. But like for him, um, you know, I I don't think I'm misquoting here, but like transformational stuff. So you know, I, you. I yeah, and I got so I said yeah, I got you know, and then I got to know you a little bit. And, uh, and like I said, always enjoy the conversations. Tell, you know, as an executive coach, um, I, I work with a number of leaders. Um, as a leader myself, I, I can appreciate it. Why, what is so challenging in your mind about, you know, staying strategic, you know, and, and staying away from drilling down and getting very tactical? Like what, what is it that creates that challenge? Yeah, it, it, that's a, it's a great question because, you know, almost every executive that I speak with uh, will recognize that they need to be more strategic. It's, it's, part of, it's part of the job. I mean, when you look at the senior team, uh, their primary role is to, is to develop and implement strategy and oversee the implementation of good strategy. And that's it. I, that, that, that's pretty much where it ends and begins. And, uh, and they know that. And, uh, and most senior executives are very co- highly conscientious, they're smart, they're, they're, they mean well, and, and all of a sudden they, they realize that over the course of a year or the course of you know, even longer than that, we're just not spending enough time actually talking about strategy. I think some of the reasons why this has become a bigger issue is that um, uh, the nature of disruption in, 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 in most businesses has, has really forced leaders to change the way that they do strategy. So strategy traditionally was something we did once a year or we were lucky and maybe even even less and we developed a document and that was sort of a guiding uh, document and with the level of disruption that most organizations are facing now they just can't do that kind of thing once a year they've really got to be thinking strategically pretty much all the time or they got to spend some time thinking strategically on an ongoing basis so i you know i recommend at least once a quarter the senior team is getting together and they're spending a half day to a full day really drilling down into into, into the strategy making sure that it's still working taking the feedback from operations and kind of running that through to say, look, you know, are we learning some things that tell us the strategy is not quite doing as well as it needs to. So I, I think the disruption in the environment is made this a much more, uh, a much more important uh, thing, but, but a couple of other things. Uh, I, I dedicate a whole chapter in the book to this very point is why is it that we know we need to spend more time on strategy, but we don't. And I, I just list uh, 12 or 13 factors in most businesses that just drive people into the weeds. Um, you know, performance measurement is normally short-term focused. You know, it's much more important that you meet last, last month's numbers than think really clearly about what might be happening in, in a year or two years in the business. So 
know, that, that, that's, that's just one thing. Uh, another thing is in every organization, the senior team members are really on two primary teams. Their first team, which is the senior team, and then they lead the second team, which is the team that they lead, the functional or departmental team that they lead in the organization. And so very often, your second team is demanding your time. They, they don't want you working on those, on those uh, more strategic problems because they need you working uh, you know, down in the business. So I, I could go on and on. There, there, are, there are actually a number of, of reasons uh, why it's so difficult to make this time. And another reason why I thought it was important to write the book. Yeah, I, I feel it's really interesting Like this current disruption with, with COVID is, is only one disruption in the, in the past uh, number of years that has uh, kind of supported what you're saying there, that I have never found a one-year strategic plan uh, beneficial except for getting the year off on the right foot, like right. charged up. But change is so fast. And um, uh, things like COVID, for example, or things like the digitization of um, – of, of media and, and there's all these different things that can disrupt uh, someone's business and you have to think on your toes. Just as a quick aside, I found it really interesting since COVID, our team, uh, our strategic team, our leadership team has been meeting every single day, every morning, which we never did before. And the neat thing about that is the, uh, we're not, we are looking at day-to-day to week-to-week strategy right now, which is not something we ever did before, but I think we're becoming stronger for it. Um, and we bring in that second tier team, you know, the, the implementers um, for uh, the meeting as well. So we all know what's going on. So yeah, that, yeah. that waste of energy of, you know, everybody knows the, you know, the, the strategists need to focus on strategy and the doers have to keep on. It's, it's a simple a simple thing to do, but none of us seem to have done, really done that before we yeah. were forced to, you know? <laughs> well, one of the things about, uh, you know, this, this, this idea of strategy, and, and, and I, I, I know something else I think that is changing because of the nature of disruption is that, you know, we've traditionally really thought about the senior team thinking about strategy, and then, and then everybody else kind of implement, uh, implements. But, but really, uh, strategy is about choices. And, 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 and so what you're doing is you're, you're, you've, got a, you've got a purpose and a direction and there's things you're trying to achieve in the business overall. And then you make a, a number of high level choices that will take the business in a certain direction. And then what you rely on is all the people that work in the organization to be making daily choices like in, in their work that are in al- aligned to those strategic choices that you've made as, as, as senior leaders. And, and of course, you're also trying to work with them to help them make sure that the, that, that alignment is maintained. So I, I actually I actually feel like um, one of the big issues with strategic time is that when when leaders drop into the business when they get into the weeds they actually do things very often that prevent them from thinking strategically but also prevent their people from being more strategic they actually drive them deeper into the weeds themselves and in the book I've, I've got a very simple model I call it the uh, the death the death spiral. And it's, it's, it's how uh, senior teams drop into the weeds and then they, they drop everyone else in the organization down further into the weeds and they get into this cycle where they just cannot escape that. And it, it has impacts on talent. It has impacts on strategy implementation. It has very uh, wide-reaching Im- impacts in the organization. So uh, it's, a really, it's a really significant issue for sure. You, uh, you know, I, I've got, I'm a, I have a little bias around the answer to this question personally, but I'm thinking, I'm wondering the value of having someone external come in and support a team like Greg's team or, um, you know, any, you know, any, any senior leadership team or any team for that matter 
Um, what, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I wonder if you could speak to that. Well, uh, um, so I, I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, senior teams are different than other teams in an organization. I, I, I just think that the nature of the problems that they're trying to solve are they're higher in you know volatility, unfamiliarity, complexity, and so on and so forth. So they're they're just more difficult problems, sometimes significantly more difficult. So senior 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 teams should be focused on the really difficult problems, and um, and so because those problems are so difficult, they need to learn how to solve those problems more effectively. And they're different than the other kinds of problems in the organization. So they need to they need to build capability in order to do that. And so I'm a big believer that senior teams will benefit from someone that can help them if that person is familiar with how senior teams need to work, which is different than most teams. So uh, I'm, I, I believe that if, if you can find a coach or, or, or a, an advisor who can come in and is used to helping the senior team elevate their level of problem, uh, their ability to solve more difficult problems, their problem solving capability, I think that's a really important thing to be doing. Uh, otherwise, very often what you'll be doing is you'll be, if, if you're working with a team and, and, and they're focused on lower level problems, you might get them working effectively together to solve those, but when it's when they try to solve the more complex problems, that's when they start running into trouble. So uh, I'm a big believer in coaching and, 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 and advisory services to teams, Dave, but I, I do believe for the senior team, you need to have someone who knows how to help you elevate your problem solving capability, and that's, that, that, that's a key piece. Do you, you know, it's, um, it's in, like, I just think it's, in, and I'd be interested in, in your thoughts around the psychology around this, but, um, you know, this idea of helping a team or even an individual, let's just stick with the team for now, but like a complex problem. And it seems like m- most of us are really hardwired to, um, you know, to be very, to, to get very tactical instead of stepping back and, and really trying to understand what is the real issue here and what's the be- what are a bunch of options and what's the best option you know, for us to go down. Um, I've, I've experienced in myself wanting to just take action, right? There's something sure. about, you know what I mean? It, it feels good, right? And okay, we're doing something, but to what end, right? And, it, and it's so helpful to have someone, to your point, Vince, that will hold you back. Sure and help you, um, you know, look at other options and, and help you address like, what is the real issue we're addressing here? And, and, and how do we measure this? And what is, what is a good outcome here? Um, and it just feels like, you know, we're in a, in a world that's just trying to, you know, propel itself and move forward and take action that it, it makes it hard to think strategically. You bet. Yeah. yeah. Just what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think uh, Greg talked before about strategic planning. There's always been some issues with strategic planning and the way that it's kind of traditionally run, and uh, and and the stats would bear that out. You know, uh, you know, you you know, in organizations, you you depend on on the people that are you know in your organization to be able to implement the strategy. But you know, some studies show that less than one three percent you know, of people in an organization actually understand what the what the organizational strategy is. So it's it's never been as effectively run as it as it could be, but but it's, it's even worse than um, when, um, if, if you don't have really effective strategic planning processes in the organization, I think that's a real uh, incentive for, uh, or disincentive for senior t- people to think strategically. I mean, you can get around the water cooler, or you can be in a meeting and you're having a, a good conversation and you highlight a problem, but unless you've got a mechanism for taking that problem and putting, into it, put, putting that into some kind of process, 
where it's going to be analyzed and it's going to be looked at and, and we can have some dialogue around it and we can actually come to some decisions about it. It's just, it's just water cooler talk. And so, uh, so I, I think very often we don't get that more strategic thinking because we're, we're, our processes aren't working very well. The other couple of things that I think get in the way, and, and, and one is related to, to people and collectively, and one is related to individuals. The ability to think strategically varies from person to person. Some people are just cognitively more equipped to think strategically than other, than other people. And, uh, and so you, you'll often find that people who uh, are maybe less cognitively inclined, and so have lower, sort of lower potential for thinking you know, on really high level strategic problems, um, they, they may not attack those problems. They, they, they kind of avoid them. They, they focus on problems that they, they can take on. The issue there is that strategic thinking capability, that, that ability, that can be developed. But the only way it can be developed is through actual practice. You've got to be actually working on strategic problems or you'll never get better at it. So, so for lots of individuals, I think what happens is they, they close their door, they start thinking about a strategic problem, they don't really know how to ta tackle it because they just haven't had the experience doing it. And so they stop and then they never gain that, they never gain that experience. So uh, you know, one of the, again, another reason I, I wrote the book was this, I want, I want people to think strategically, not just to solve strategic problems, but to develop the ability to actually solve strategic problems well. So uh, I think there's, I think again, it, it gets back to, there's many factors that kind of get in the way from people being able to do this uh, on a regular basis. So it's, uh, it's very much um, when, like, when, when people say to me, oh, I'm not a creative person. When I always push back, I'm like, you sure are. You just haven't exercised that yet. So it's almost like a muscle that needs to, do you think, you could learn that skill to be strategic on uh, strategic thinking, even on the smallest of decisions. It doesn't even matter where you are in the organization, but can you become strategic? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, so what is strategy? Strategy is looking at two or three things that, that, you know, we're not quite sure what the connections are. I mean, we haven't seen that stuff before. What are the interrelationships? What are the underlying dynamics? And we're trying to understand what those things, you know, what might be going on. And the way that most people learn about those underlying dynamics and those relationships is they just have experience. So the first time they encounter it, they don't do very well. It goes badly. Next time they go, oh, wait a minute. Last time I, I, I saw this, these, you know, these three things resulted in this. And, they, and so already they've become more strategic. They're able to now look at the problem and say, well, I, I think I, I will, I'll attack it differently than I did last time. And I think that our, our capacity for doing that is actually is pretty big. If we're if we're actually tackling strategic problems because they're they're very different than than uh, you know the tactical ones and yes. and we've got to gain the experience. And, and how how much responsibility is it from let's let's say the top in a typically uh, structured organization to empower that type of strategic thinking for everybody uh, at all levels? Because what I'm thinking in my with my shortcomings over the years uh, as a leader learning to be strategic is we could make a, a, an incredible quarterly or annual strategy, but not really share it with everybody and not really get ownership or buy-in from everybody. And um, yeah, like uh, what is that responsibility for, for upper management to really get everybody on board and on side and, and digging into it together? I, I, it's huge. I, I think it's actually one of the biggest, bigger, biggest roles that they've got. So the, again, we, we, we talk about, you know, uh, senior people needing to create shareholder value, stakeholder value, and uh, and they do that through developing and overseeing the implementation of good strategy. And so you've got the senior team, and then each of those individuals on the senior team has got somebody below them, a direct report, 
And in order for the senior team members to, to focus where they need to focus, they need to get those people below them elevated in their capability. And very often that means they've got to offload problems that are of lower uh, difficulty to, to those folks. And if they haven't developed those people effectively, if they haven't, if they haven't uh, ensured that those folks are, are learning how to think more strategically, then they can't offload those problems to them. And I will tell you, we're going to work with many senior teams and, and leaders, and the number one reason why they will tell me that they can't think strategically is because they do not have the strength in their direct reports to delegate as much as they'd like to. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't believe that that's, that's always the number one thing, but, but even if it is, whose responsibility is, is, is it to, to develop your direct reports and to ensure that you've got the right people in those roles as you move into the future? It's, it's the senior team leader's responsibility. So they need to be developing that talent. Interesting. And uh, so sorry, Dave, I, I keep on cutting you off. I'm on a, a train here. Um, the, uh, uh, but going back to the weeds, I can see with a small team, let's say your uh, direct reports just are not there yet. Uh, skill-wise, I can see a senior leader jumping into those weeds for training or for executing those harder problems until that that uh, that next level really gets it. And is that the trap? Is that where where we can get stuck into those weeds, would you say, and and stop focusing on strategy? Absolutely. So I talked before about the like the death spiral. That's part of the death spiral. So the you know you've got uh, you, you know the, the let's say the VPs. So it's, it, it, how this how this normally cycles through organizations is that very often when an organization is beginning to struggle and, and especially they're struggling with disruption and st- struggling strategically very often it's be- it's often because the senior team's just not focused where it needs to focus it's, it's too it's too tactically focused and so the problems that the organization is encountering they don't have enough time to respond to them they're kind of coming at them too fast and so they get things so what happens typically is that they might make a change maybe with the ceo so because of increased disruption, there's a lot more CEO turnover than there used to be. It's almost 15% a year now. So very often you'll bring in a new CEO. CEO will, CEO will come in and they'll say, look, well, we need to kind of refocus. We need to elevate our focus. And then they look at the VPs, the senior team that's supposed to help them. And they go, gee, I, I'm not sure I've got the right people. And so I think I read a stat that uh, within two years, on average, 70% of a senior team is changed out when a new CEO comes in. Because the CEO is looking for VPs that can elevate in that level of capability. So let's say that they find them and they get them. So now the senior team is, is focused on the right levels of pro, uh, you know, problem difficulty. And now the problem is below that at the director level. So the VPs are, are looking and now the gap between them is, too, is really large between them and their directors. So now they have a choice. To your point, Greg, they can drop down to actually work with those directors and then get sucked into the weeds, which is then going to pull the CEO down. Or they can... They can try to they can try to uh, uh, sort of maintain a balance between the, the big strategic problems that they need to stay focused on and the development of those people that are below them. And it's very very difficult to do. It, it's um, when I when I've seen VPs who are trying to you know kind of uh, make that happen, they're really working hard because they're 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 really doing two jobs at once. They're 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 you know, they're they're still they're still kind of in the weeds a bit you know because they haven't got the talent. They're trying to build the talent, and they're also staying focused on those bigger problems. So it's very daunting for VPs to pull that off, but, but sometimes they do. I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Um, here's the here's something that just I just occurred to me, and I've seen and and, and experienced to a degree, is um, you know you talk about that director level, um, you know the competencies required to be successful, 
and then you and then someone you know has a, an interest in moving into a, a VP position and, and an executive position. Um, what you're what you're rewarded for is 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 working differently as you el- as you get elevated, and so I think at least what and I I'd be curious your thoughts on this, Vince. But I, I seem to see people that. Um, it's a real struggle because, you know, hey, I got, this is what I was really good at and I have to give this up, right? And I'm supposed to be operating at yeah. some level. And it, so it feels kind of nice. And we, you know, when, especially when you talk about disruption, when things are hard, uh, it's normal, I believe, for humans to gravitate towards what feels good, right? You know, like what, mm-hmm. what, what they've been rewarded for in the past. And, and often what needs to be done, you know, to your point, is it, ha- it requires a, a different and executive level thinking, which is a completely yeah. different um, set of competencies required and skills to, to, to perform at that level. Um, and there's that, there's that pull, right? Absolutely. You did, did, did you, you're a coach as well. And, uh, you've probably experienced this when you're, you'll ask a you'll ask a CEO or a, or a VP and you say you're coaching, you're coaching a VP and you, you talk to the CEO and, 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 uh, you'll say to them, what, what do you think this VP needs to, needs to focus on? And they'll say, well, it, I always find that it's always the same version of, of the same thing. And, and, and that is they need to learn how to solve the problems that I'm dealing with. Like they need to elevate their ability to solve. Otherwise I'm looking, I'm looking for a successor at some point and I'm look, I need someone who can, who can show to me that they can start to solve these problems. So it's, so one of the things that I, I, re, I write about in the book and I, I actually have a blog that I, I, I send out my blog every week and, and, and I just wrote a blog, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. And I called the blog. Um, I called this title entitled this, always have at least one strategic project. Uh, and, and so what I, what I recommend to, to any VP or any director is that very often, because you're being pushed into the weeds, you might not be getting a lot of opportunity to build your strategic thinking capability, and, and, and that's gonna hurt you in the long run. So always try to have at least one strategic initiative that you're working on. And so what I'll, I talk about in the blog is how, how leaders can make sure that happens. But, but one way that, say if you're a director in an organization, how you can make it happen is it's a really simple sort of four or five step process. And uh, uh, step number one, uh, just pause, look around you at, at the clients that you're currently serving and start to think about how, how, what kind of change could I make, a more strategic change that, that I could make that could make things better for these clients. So just think about that. And after you've thought about it, you've got a couple of ideas, you take those ideas and you go talk to the clients and ask them what they think and they're gonna give you some ideas. If you tend to take all that and you go to your boss and you say, look, I've been talking to my clients and these are some of the, some of the higher level things we could do to really make our service better to them. What do you think? And uh, most bosses are going to say to you, I think that that's really cool. And so you just say, look, well, if I were to take one of these and do something about it, which one of these would you like me to work on? So the boss will say, well, that one. So you say, okay, great. Well, if I'm going to work on that, you know, if I put a plan together with a timeline, and if there's some resources I need, would you, would you resource it? And would you, would you hold me accountable for it? Would you kind of keep an eye on it? And, and so I could report to you about it. And I think 99% of bosses are going to say yes. And How so could you now say no? all of a sudden, pardon? How could you say no presented that way? <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks. Thanks, Greg. So, uh, so now you've got, now you've got a strategic initiative that your boss is concerned with, that your clients want to see something happen. And you've, and you've got the ability now to actually shift some things. And it's going to force you to now start thinking more strategically and, and acting that way. And, and uh, so I'm a big believer that everybody should have, certainly once you get to a more senior level in the organization, everyone should be working on something that's more strategic than their day job, at least one project all the time. 
Awesome. Well, that, that's really good advice. Cause that's, I was actually curious about that. And, um, you know, because if someone's listening and they're saying, geez, I want to, I want to develop that. How do I do it? Well, you've just given a really good example. Um, as we're wrapping up, there's a couple things. Uh, I, Greg, you'll, you'd really appreciate Vince's, um, he sends them every Monday. It's called the uh, Monday morning reminder to be pioneer. And what, what you'll like about it as a creative person is, um, it's not only Vince's writing, but it's his artwork as well. Okay. He, so how do I find that? And, and our listeners, I'm going to look it up right now. Well, if you, my, my website is called SeniorTeamAdvisory.com. And if you go there, uh, you'll, you'll see the blogs that I've recently written. There's an archive. I've written about 125, 130 blogs, all on the subject of senior teams. And, uh, and there's a, a spot there that you can subscribe. Awesome. Thank you. Like there's an old one I'm just looking at right now. It's and it's entitled "Scared to Hire the Best?" in question mark, and then and Vince is he's got this this picture of these you know two feet with uh, uh with shoes and and um and the uh, laces um tied together right like in other anyways it's just it's really kind of a creative way of doing it so um you know there's your creative outlet you are you're certainly creative Vince thank um, you how do uh so. Yeah, um, and as we, uh, you know, so, so people can find um, through the URL you just gave uh, information, can they get the book there as well? Yes. Yes. Yep. They can, they can order the book right from the, from the website. It's, uh, it's now available. Is there any, any advice you give to people about writing a book, having done it now? That's good. That's a great question. Uh, I, I would highly recommend that people talk to people who've written the book. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> Good idea. And uh, and then I, I got some advice uh, to actually hire someone. That could, uh, it's self-published. So I, 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 I talked to – and most books now are self-published. So I talked to someone who guided me through that process. So I'd recommend that. Uh, for your first book, for sure, uh, uh, th- those are two steps that I would take. And then and once you've taken those two steps, you should be fine. Um, final thing I'd say about writing a book is um, most people think that it's the – the, the writing the book, that is the tough part. Uh, I found that actually interesting. And um, I actually wrote it. In, so what I've, what I've done in, in I've t- taken the advice that is in the book and I've created, I create two hours a day of strategic time for myself. Now, I don't always maintain it. Hard to maintain that, but, but I think I do a really good job of 80% of the time, the first two hours every morning I spend on something strategic. So even though I had all my client work, because I was able to create that two hours, I was able to write the book in about three months. So a 60,000 word book in about, uh, about a, in about three months, two hours per day is doable. And then you think it's done and you turn it over and but that's just, uh, that's just that things are just getting started at that point. So uh, the final thing I'd say about writing a book is just have patience. Uh, it's really worth it in the end, but it's, uh, it's uh, for first time through, it's, uh, it, it can be a daunting process, but a lot of fun. I'd highly recommend it. That's awesome. Vince. I, lo- I love that discipline around two wow. hours a day yeah, um, strategic time. That's, that's awesome. Thank so, you. Um, so Greg, that's a good challenge for us. Eh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what comes first, the two hours of uh, strategy or actually getting up and doing exercise, which I have not done yet. Well, I'll tell you, there's an anecdote in, in the book. Um, I was talking to someone uh, on the West coast. They were, they, we had a meeting and uh, I was in Halifax. They were in, they live in Vancouver 
and uh, she's a senior leader. And uh, so, and she's on the road all the time. So the meeting was for eight o'clock in the morning, my time. So that's four o'clock Vancouver time. And I just naturally assumed she's probably in Toronto. So that's why we're having the meeting then. So after the meet meeting was over, I said to her, you know, where are you? She said, well, I'm at home in Vancouver. I said, it's four o'clock in the morning. She says, I, I get up every morning at four and I spend the first couple of hours thinking strategically about, when I'm, about my day. Very successful uh, business person. So um, I get up early in the morning, but I can't match her. It's pretty no. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's That is good. Like I, my, my, my wake up is 5.30 typically, but now the sun's earlier. It seems to be five-ish, but uh, um, usually I've got two hours. And what I do is I, I call it yesterday mail. So all the stuff that stresses me out for not checking my emails today, right? Because I want to be present with you right now. Yeah. Um, I, I pretty much do all my today emails tomorrow morning at five in the morning. That's usually my, and that's kind of my strategic time in a way because there's no disruptions. No e new emails are coming in while I'm doing it. So you're cleaning yeah. out the inbox. And yeah. Dave's watched me do, uh, struggle with that for years, and we finally figured it out a couple of years ago. But uh, So in a way, I've, I've got the time blocked out for my strate strategic time. I just maybe need to uh, focus on something more strategic than checking emails. But yeah. <laughs> that, that, that would be my takeaway for today, is okay. being a little more tactical with those two hours in the morning. <laughs> well, I think, I think everybody should develop a, a calendar that includes strategic time. It doesn't have to be every day, but I, you know, if it's every second day, that's great. Because... When I asked senior senior team members uh, how much time, uh, well, first I asked them, are, are you spending enough time thinking strategically? And almost 90% said no. So how much more time per week do you need to spend in order for you to, you know, to meet the demands of your job? And most people say four to six hours more per week. Now, in the book, I, well, I, I give people dozens and dozens of ways for how to find that time. So that's so we, we talk about why it's so important in the book and what gets in the way, but there's a model there that talks about here are the four things you need to be thinking about all the time to be able to make strategic time. If you, if you follow these, you do these four things and you follow these techniques, you should be able to, most people should be able to find five to six hours a week, but, but, but whether they will or not is another matter. And uh, so, so the key is, uh, you know, once you, once you form a really strong intention that this is really important, this is going to be good for my career, it's going to be good for my business, it's going to be good for my people, I've got to find this time. When I find the time, I'm going to get better at it. And then we start getting that in the calendar. I think big changes start to happen in your life and in your, in your work. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the other piece of that is um, I read a good, a good article, I think it was The Guardian, but it was about um, um, how, how we're, we're all built a little differently in terms of when we're kind of at our best cognitively. And some people like the, both of you are probably clearly early morning. I think they call them larks. And then they have another term for it, like the owls like later. Yeah. I'm kind of a later in the day guy. Um, yeah. But I, but I have little people that get me up early in the morning. So, um, right. and I'm, I'm not in any place to think strategically at that point, but, it, yeah. but you know, I mean, but to your point, Vince, I guess it's like wherever, wherever it is, but more importantly, having the discipline, like understanding the, um, and having, seeing the value, you know, which creates a commitment and then creating the discipline to make sure it actually happens. Right. So good, great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Um, well, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad you came on and, um, we're, uh, for people that want to contact you directly, do they just go off the, the, the website that you mentioned earlier, Senior Advisory? Yep, SeniorTeamAdvisory.com. Senior uh, my contact information is in there. And, 
uh, I'd love to hear from them. I, I hope people go and take a look at the archive. I'd, I'd love to have them sign up to the, the blog because I, I read it and I think gee, there's a lot of information in here that I think would be helpful for senior team members. And I do this because I, I'm a big believer in the value of, of, of really effective senior teams um, and, and the impact that really good senior people make in their organizations, but also in society at large. So anything that I can do to support them and, and provide advice that might help them. Um, uh, you, um, your blog comes in Mondays and it, it, if I don't have a chance to read it, it goes into a, 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 a folder I have called interesting stuff along with uh, other guests like Seth Godin. And um, so it's, yeah, Greg, you'll enjoy it. It's good. It's good read. And it's not overwhelming, right? It's just once a week. And, um, but it's, it's good, you know, kind of creative time and cool, art, cool artwork as well. Thank you. So, thank you. Awesome, Vince. Well, Thanks, Vince, Vince, thank you so much for coming on today, my friend. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. All right. Take care. Okay. Take care. See you, Vince. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.